What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The Hound of the Baskervilles by A. Colin Doyle Chapter 6 Baskerville Hall Sir Henry Baskerville and Dr. Mortimer were ready upon the appointed day when he started to reign for Devonshire. Mr. Sherlock Holmes drove for me with me to the station, gave me the last passing injunctions of life. They will not buy from my bracelet, just in three physicians watching. Then he others who sent me to report back to Prince Cosmo's mansion for me. Will you leave me for doing this diversion? What sort of facts? I asked. Anything which may seem to have a bearing either indirect upon the case, especially in relation to young Baskerville, his neighbours, and his special particulars. Concerning the death of Sir Charles, I made uh, some inquiries myself in the last few days. The result, however, as he had been negative. One thing only appeared to be certain that that, that, that is that Mr. James Desmond, who is the next heir, is an elderly gentleman with very animal disposition. But that is that his persecution does not arise from him. That his persecution does not arise from him. I really think we should eliminate him entirely from our calculations. There remain the people who actually surround Sir Henry Baskerville upon the moor. Would it not be well in the first place to get rid of this vulnerable couple? By no means we could not make a great mistake. If they are innocent, we need to call in justice. If they are guilty, we should be giving up giving out all chance of bringing it home to them. No, we will to serve them well them upon our list of suspects. Then there is a groom at the hall, if I remember right. There are two moorland farmers. There is our friend, Dr. Mortimer, who I believe to be entirely honest. There is his wife, of whom we know nothing. His native Stapleton. There is his sister, said to be a young lady of fraction. There is Mr. Franklin, of Daffodil Hall, who is an unknown factor. There is our one of two neighbouring neighbours. These are the folk who must be a very, must be your very, must be your very special study. I will do my best. You have my, you have arms, I suppose. Yes, I thought that I might irritate them. But I certainly keep them vulgar with me, night and day. Never lack your precautions. Our friends are ready to secure the first-class carriage. We're waiting for us upon the platform. No, we have no time news. No news of any kind," said Doctor Mortimer, in answer to my friend's question. I can swear to one thing. That is, we have not been stirred during the last few, de- few days. We never gone out without keeping a sharp watch, and no one could escape our notice. We have always kept together, I presume, except yesterday afternoon. I usually gave up, give up one day for a few movements. When I came to town, so I spent it in the museum of College of Surgeons. I went to the look at the folk in the park, said Baskerville, but we had no trouble of any kind. It's impertinent all the same, said Holmes, shaking his head, looking very grave, I beg, Sir Henry, that you will not go out about alone. It is some great misfortune with you. If you do, did you get your other boots? No, sir, it's gone forever. Indeed, it's very interesting. Well, good-bye. 
Then as the train began to glide down the platform, Bear in mind, Henry, one of the failures of the queer old legend that Dr. Mortimer has read to us, avoid the more in those hours of darkness the power of evil exalted. I looked back the platform when we left it far behind, saw the tall, stir, stir figure of Holmes standing motionless, gazing after us. Journey was stiff and pleasant one. I spent it in making more intimate acquaintance with my two companions and playing with Mr. Otterwater's granary. Spanning with a very few hours, brown earth of come ruddy, a brick of change of granite, red crow cows graze, yellow hedge fields, where the lush grasses more luxuriate vegetation, further richer in a damper climate. Down the hills stared eagerly out the windows and cried aloud at the light. Jesus recognised the similar features of deadly scenery. I've been over a good part of the world since I left it, joined Dr. Watson, said he. I've never seen a place to compare with it. I never saw a Devonshire man who did not swear by his country, I remarked. It depends upon the breed of the man, quite as much as on the, on the, country, on the country. I remarked. Depends on the breed of man quite as much as country Dutch, said Dr. Mordor, glance about a friend. He reveals around his head the kelp, which carries inside its caustic refrigerant, power of attachment, pours to the child's head, very rare and tight, half Gaelic, half Azabian, it's characteristic. So you are very, you were very young when you last saw Bachelor Hall, were you not? I was in my boy, in my teens, at the time of my father's death. You have seen Hall for he lived at a cottage on the south coast. Then so he went straight to a friend in America. I tell you, it's always new to me that Dr. Watson and King Apostle see the moor. Are you? You wish it was easy granted, for that is your first right the moor, said Lord Mordor, pointing out to the carriage window. Over the green squares of fields and low carved of woods. There rose a distance of grey monotero hill, strange jagged summit, dim and vague, distance like some fantastic landscape in a dream. Bessville sat for a good long time. His eyes fixed upon it, and as I read upon his eager face how much it meant to him, his first sight of that strange spot where men his blood had held so long and left their marks so deep. There he sat with a twenty suit of his American accent, in a corner of prosthetic railway carriage, and yet as I looked at his dark, expressive face, I felt more than ever how true descendant he was. A long line of fairy, high-blooded, fairy, fiery, and infernal men. There were pride, valour, strength in his thick brows, sensitive nostrils, his large, hazel eyes, his unforbidden, unforbidden more difficult and dangerous quest to lie before us, must at least the comrade from whom I ventured to take a dose, with the certainty that he would brave and take care of it. Train pulled up with small wayward stations, small up and small wayward stations. Bill descended outside, blood ashore, white fence of wagonette, pair of cobs was waiting. Our coming was evidently a great event. The stage of Martin Portland clustered round to carry out our very luggage. It was a sweet, simple cottage spot, a surprise reserved. And by the gate there stood two soldiery men, dark uniforms, who leaned upon their short rifles, a glance clinging as we passed. Coachman? Hard-faced girls, and they were saluted to Henry Bessier. A few minutes we were 
riding swiftly down the broad white road, rolling past it, man's curled upwards of the either side of us. Old gabled houses peered out of the, from amid thick green forest. Behind the peaceful sunlit sunset side, the rose ever dark amongst against the evening sky, the long curving, gloomy curve of the moor, broken by the jagged and sinister hills. The wagonette swung round it sideways, so sideways it curved upwards through deep lanes worn by centuries of roads, high banks on either side, heavy with dripping moss and freshly hearts-ferns, tongue-ferns, bronze in bracken, mulches, bramble gleamed in the light of feeding, of the feeding sun. Still surviving, we passed over a narrow granite bridge and a skirted and noisy stream which gushed swiftly down, foaming and roaming amid the grey boulders. Both roads of steam rose up through a valley dense with scrub oak and fir. At every turn Bestial gave an exclamation, the knight looking eagerly back at him, asking Captain a question. His eyes all seemed beautiful, but the meaning a tinge of melancholy lay upon the countryside. His broad circadian mark of waning year, their leaves covered with rain, fluttered down, and as we passed, the rattle of our wheels died away as we drove through the drift of rotting vegetation. Says this, it seemed to me, the nature of the throw before carried the returning air to Bastardville. Oh, yeah, cried Dr. Hortimer, what is this? Steep cove of pieces of land, land of outlaying spur of the moor lay in front of us, on the summit, hard and clear, like an Esquilian statue. Upon its pedestal was a mounted soldier, dark and stern, rifle poles ready over his half arm. He was watching the road along as he travelled. What is this, Perkins? asked Montgomery. As the half turned his feet, there is a convict escaped from Princeton, sir. He's been out three days now, and all his watch every road and every station. But well, he had no sight of it yet. Farmers about here don't don't, don't like it, sir. That's a fact. I understand they get they get five pounds. They get they give him some information. Yes, sir, but the chance of five pounds is about a forfeit. There's a chance of having a throat cut, you see. Isn't like any human convict. This man would stick at nothing. Who is he then? It's the thing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Murderer. I remember the case well, but it's one in which Holmes, taking interest, account of peculiar ferocity, crime, the wanton brutality, marked all the actions of the assassin. Communication, his death sentence, been due to some doubts, his complete sanity, as atrocious was his conduct. Arrived in front of us, rose the heaps of banks and more, muddled, gnarled, and craggy canes and pools. Cold wind swept down from it and set us shivering somewhere there on that desolate plain. Is looking this fiendish man hiding a barrel like a wild beast, heart full of men, magnificence against the whole race which he cast him out. Needed not but his complete and grim suggestiveness, brown waste of chilly winds, a darkening sky, darkening sky, 
You bet you felt sonic. And covered his overcoat more closely around him. We found the photo country behind. We left the photo country behind and beneath us. We looked back on it now. The sunny rays of low sun, sunny in the stream, threads of gold are glowing the reddish earth. Next turn up by the plough, broad triangle of woodland. Right in front of us grew bleak and wilder, over a hush, resident and olive smoke, sprinkled of the white boulders. Now when we passed a moorland cottage, walled and roofed with stone, no creeper to break its past or outland. Line. Suddenly we looked down at a slight light depression, perched with studded oaks and firs, and big twisted bent by the furious trees. Years of furious storms, years of storm, too high now its towers rose up over the trees. Power pointed with his whip, with his whip. Birds did they all, we said. See, the mast had risen, the stair was flushed cheeks and rising shining eyes. We had made it reach the lodge gates, a maze of French Catholic tracery, wrought iron, with other bitten pillars on either side, blocked with religions, surmounted by their bulls' heads, by bastions. The large was ruined, a black granite and bared ribs of plaster, and facing it was a new building, half constructed, first fruits of Charles, South African gold. But the gateway passed into the avenue, where the wheels were again hushed amid the leaves. Old trees shot their branches, tumble tunnel over our heads, Pascu shuddered. We looked up with a long, dark drive to where the house was remembered, with a ghost at the farther end. Where is it? Well, what is it? What is it here? he asked in a low voice. No, no, that you, buddy. It's on the other side. And he had glanced around with a gloomy face. I wonder my uncle felt it was trouble were coming to him. Such a place as this, said he. Enough to scare any man. Have a row of electric lamps up there, such a sight. You won't know it again. There are a thousand candlelights, one and lantern, right here in the front of the hall door. Never open them. The broad expanse of turf and the house lay before us. Failing light. To see the centre was a heavy block of building with set which a porch projected. The whole front was draped in ivory, a patch of clipped bare here and there with window. The window of coat of arms broke through the dark veil. The central block rose, the twin towers ancient, scintillated, pierced with many loopholes. To right at the left a touch with more modern wings, black granite, a dull light shone from heavy molten windows and from the high chimneys which rose from the steeple. Steep, high-angled roofs, which sprang a single high, black column of smoke. Welcome to Chilvenry, welcome to Vesterville Hall. Two men, two men stepped from the shadow of the porch to open the door. Ragonet, woman, silhouetted against the yellow light of the hall. We came out and helped the man, her hand, down our bags. You won't mind my driving straight home, said Henry, said Dr. Mordor. My wife is expecting... Surely you'll stay for some dinner. No, I must go. She'll probably find some work waiting for me. She'll stay to show you where over the house, but Barrymore, you'd better drive in nine. Goodbye. Never hate to think, night or day, certainly, if I can be of service. Right straight away, down the drive, while Sir Henry and I turned to the hall, a door clanged heavily behind us, to a fine apartment in which we found ourselves, large, lofty, heavy rafted, huge bulks of blackened oak, High, great old-fashioned fireplace, behind the high iron dogs, dog fire crackled and snapped. Henry and I handed out our fans, had our hands to it, for we were done with our high, from our high, long drive. 
trees around us, and the high, thin windows of not all stained glass, oak panelling, the sagged heads, the coats of arms upon the walls, all dim and sombre in the sublight, stood right in the centre hall. It's just as I imagined it, said Henry. It's not the very picture, very picture of old families, old, old to think this could be the same hall in which for five hundred years my people have lived. It's frightfully solemn to think of it. He saw his boy's face lit up with boyish enthusiasm. He gazed around him. A light beat about him where he stood. A long shadow trailed down upon the wall, hung like a black canopy upon him. Ramos returned from taking our baggage to our rooms. He stood in front of us now. Two do men of a well-changed servant. He is a remarkable-looking man, handsome with a square black beard, pale, distinguished features. Would you wish to dinner? Will we serve at once, sir? Ready? In a few minutes, sir. Do you mind finding a hot water in your rooms? Will we, will we be happy, Sir Henry? We'll stay with you until you make your fresh arrangements. Do you understand? Under new conditions, this house will require considerable staff. What new conditions? I meant, sir, that I that Sir Charles led ready paradise. We are able to look after his wants. You would naturally wish to have more company and do need charges in your household. You mean you and your wife you wish to sleep? Only when you require could quite convenient for you, sir. You've only been with us several generations, have you not? I would be sorry to begin my life here, breaking up our old family connection. You see, this discern shone like some motion upon the fair face. I feel, I feel that also, sir. And so does my wife, but to tell the truth, sir, we're both very much attached to Sir Charles. We have gave us a shock, and maybe if these surroundings very painful to us, I fear we shall never again be made easy our minds the rest of the hall. But what do you intend to do? I have no doubt, sir, that we should succeed in establishing ourselves for business, Sir Charles. So I think they have given us the means to do so. And now, sir, perhaps I best show you to your rooms. The squire patrol gallery ran through the top of the old hall, approached by a durable stair. From this centre point, two long corridors extended the whole length of the building, on which all the bedrooms opened. I own with the same wing of battery, I was next door to it. These rooms appeared to be much more modern. In the central part of the house, a bright paper, no Miss Kendall did something to remove the sombre oppression which our arrival left upon my mind. The dining room was much, which opened up to the hall, was placed in shadow and grey gloom. Long chambers stepped, separating the dais where the family sat with for the lower portion reserved for their dependents. At, the, at one end of the Rachel's gallery overlooked it. Black beams shot across the over our heads with smoke, darkened ceilings beyond them. The rows of flaring torches to light up, lighted up with the colour of rude hilarity of old time banquets. It might have softened, but now, when that black, black clothed gentleman sat in a little circle, thrown light, like thrown by a shaped lamp, my voice became hushed and one spirit subdued. Then, like his ancestors, in varying variant of dress, and the vision of night, a buck of reachy stared upon us. Adulted on us. Yes, private company. We talked little. I, for one, was glad when the meal was over. We were able to retire to modern billiard room and smoke as light a cigar, cigarette. My word, it's not a very cheerful place, Sir Henry. I suppose one can turn it down. Turn down to it. I feel a bit out, a bit out of picture at present. I don't wonder why that. My wonder was a man called Lord Jumpy. It's all over such a place as this. 
Please excuse me. You must try it early tonight. Perhaps the things you seem better, more cheerful in the morning. They seem more cheerful in the morning. He drew aside my curtains before I went to bed, looked out of my window, as upon a grassy space which I laid out in front of the hall door. Beyond two corpses, the trees moaned and swung in the rising wind. Half the room broke through the rifts of racing clouds. It lay all night to saw beyond the trees, broken fringe of rocks, and low, long, low curve of melancholy moor. I closed the curtains, feeling my last impression was in keeping with the rest. Yet it is not quite the last. I found myself weary, and yet wakeful, tossing with it restlessly, from side to side, seeking for the sleep which would not come. Following the chiming clock struck quarters of the hours. But a while out was always a deathly silence lay upon the old house. Then suddenly at a very dead of night there came a sound in my ears, clear, risen and unmistakable. It was the sob of a woman, a muffled strangling grasp of one who torn by uncontrollable sorrow. Certainly my bed and listened intently. The noise could not have been far away, certainly in the house. For half an hour I waited, and every nerve and alert. And never came another sound save the chiming clock of Russell arriving on the wall. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.